Welcome to episode number 114, Making the Most of a New Year. I am your host, Damon Soka. Now, just a quick reminder to share this podcast. When it comes to podcasting, word of mouth is really the best form of advertising, and in some ways, really the only form. Now, these last few weeks, I've covered a fairly emotional set of difficult topics. And this last week, I spent mostly horizontal in bed because of COVID. So today, we're simply going to talk about those New Year's resolutions. I'm sure that most of our goals, projects, things to get done, took a step backwards last year and even perhaps the year before. No doubt for many afflicted with mental illness, and even for those who found mental illness as part of it and as a new part of their life, this last two years have been probably more about survival rather than progress. And there is nothing wrong with survival when the politics, isolations, viruses, and life force and life in general forces an entrenchment just to get by. But life was certainly not meant to live entrenched. And so as we cautiously approach a new year, even with a new part of the pandemic raging, there is hope that maybe, just maybe, we can crawl out of the trenches and see a little more of the landscape. For those of us who suffer with mental illness, just crawling out of the trench might be the goal. And if that is the goal, then so be it. One of the greatest mistakes sufferers make, or that we make, is to feel as though we've been in a darkened trench for two years, and then to attempt to make up for lost time. By the way, even though our mind believes that it might be able to make up for lost time, lost time is lost time, and better to view our future as an opportunity rather than a make-up day. Now, of necessity, to plan for the future and to work our work ourselves out of this trench, we're going to need to address the past and evaluate where we now stand. Now, evaluating where you stand can be a slippery slope of crushing realizations if not approached with the proper perspective. Especially considering the past two years and how our lives have been redirected, it is important when you begin to review where you stand to give yourself some needed mercy. Working through the difficulties of life with normal surprises and interruptions is sufficiently difficult with mental illness, but adding a pandemic with all of its isolations, reconfigurations, interruptions, and so many redirections make evaluating the last two years for any semblance of how we, how we managed really to be fruitless. It's likely that evaluation of the past, this time may need to stay in the past, and we just truly take ourselves as we are, Grateful we have come to where we now sit and simply move forward. But if an evaluation is needed, I ask that you do two things. One, don't reminisce about the good old days for more than a few moments, and don't let your failures determine your future. Finally, make sure when you do look back, it's with proper eyes. Don't start looking back in the middle of an episode. Now, before I move on and talk about how to move on, I think it's incredibly important to talk about this idea of moving on from the past. Because one of the many challenges of mental illness is removing the past from our future. I am not sure exactly why, although I suspect it has to do with brain chemistry, but mental illness loves to live in the past, and not the warm summer days past. Mental illness, because of the brain chemistry, lives for the most part in the past we would rather forget, dredging up all kinds of murky and muddy muck. 
And because of that same chemistry, we generally can't see any real value in these troubling, mistake-prone, fallible moments. Although, surprisingly, if we could see the true value in, the, in our low-light moments, we might not actually view those embarrassing moments as so detrimental to our lives. Mistakes, errors, failures are actually far more important in our lives than successful adventures. We learn far more from what we fail to accomplish, and our efforts than one shining moment when it all came together. It is also strange about that moment that we as mortals don't view the one shining moment as the culmination of errors, mistakes, and really working through the process of success. And for some reason, mental illness compounds this problem. But I digress a little bit. I realize that mental illness does not allow us to view our past with the appropriate clarity we need to use it effectively. Our past will always be darker than it need be and cause us simply too much trouble to really evaluate effectively. I honestly don't recommend a serious review of the past. Well, especially when you are in the middle of an episode. So what do I recommend is a review of the present. Where do you stand currently, regardless of the past? And there are at least four areas of concern when you are suffering with mental illness that you should consider. And they need to be balanced, as you're not going to be able to fully develop the one without the other. Now, before I tell you these four pillars, there is something very important to discuss about setting goals or changing habits or changing lifestyles, whatever you want to name it, and mental illness. We all have a tendency to set goals based on reaching a particular measurable moment in time or quantity or quality meaning we want to lose 20 pounds by a certain date or read the standard works by a certain date or feel greater happiness. And we tend to set our goals in this large way. Now, I will tell you that you will struggle if you set your goals by this method and you suffer from mental illness. Mental illness brains do not work well with these types of goals, at least in the sense that your focus from day to day is on this one-time driven goal. My experiences have told me, and I'm more than once, that when episodes come, and they will, that goal is going to be discarded because you will not have the emotional ability or physical energy to keep focused and moving towards the goal. You will collapse because episodes come upon us, and that collapse will make you feel as though you must start over and that you have actually failed. The feeling of failure will often keep you from continuing to work towards the goal and you will, may even have an ill will towards the goal. I often felt hostile at times towards my goals after my episodes, almost feeling as though they were a part of the cause of the episode. Now, I have abandoned more goals because of this issue of guilt than I can even begin to enumerate. It is because of this problem that I've had to rearrange and rethink how I approached and approach setting and keeping goals. Instead of one big goal and working towards it based on a firm date, I think about my life goals more on the level of consistency, meaning I set goals about daily activities, knowing that if I work consistently, I will get where I, where I want to be eventually. For those of us who suffer, consistency and continuance of a daily effort is actually far more important than some overarching goal. Don't get me wrong, you can still set these goals, but let the end date fluctuate a little and focus more on consistent daily behaviors. 
So rather than achieving and focusing on one large goal, your focus is one daily working towards it. Now, having said that, let's look at kind of these four areas of importance in our lives in the sense of consistency rather than large-scale goals. The first is obviously a healthy body. The second, a healthy mind. The third, healthy emotions. And the fourth is a healthy spirit. Now, the healthy body. For mental illness, a healthy body is obviously incredibly important because mental illness is in many ways about body chemistry. Working towards a healthy body chemistry is one of the best things one can do to manage our illness. For me, this has always been just a little bit more difficult, and actually it is for most people who suffer. Food, exercise, sleep, stress reduction all require some discipline and work. Generally, when the episode begins, so does the comfort food, binge eating, lack of exercise, increased sleep, and everything else that goes with the episode. The desire to exercise diminishes, sleep increases sometimes, which, by the way, is not always a good thing. And the whole system really descends into chaos, whether that's anxiety or depression. If you have one big goal with a definitive end date, then the episode is going to set you back and can be sufficiently self-defeating to end your goal. But if you keep that end date for your big goal flexible and focused on daily consistency, you're actually far more likely to feel the episode as a minor setback to the daily consistency, but not the overall goal. What daily consistency also allows is for reductions in the consistency, but not the entire loss of everything. Sure, there might be a couple of days you don't eat well, but even during those days, you might get one good meal in and eat like you should. When you work on consistency, everything you do towards that consistency is actually a success. Even if because of an episode, your overall consistent daily behaviors have been altered a little bit. Now, when you think about becoming healthy this year, think about consistency rather than specific goals and dates. Sure, If you want to set those weight goals, great, if you desire, but leave that end date more flexible to account for your own personal reality. You will find that those goals and dates will actually come in time if you remain consistent. Now, the healthy mind. I realize that it feels a little, this feels like a strange concept when mental illness is part of your life. Now, it can feel as though the mind is rarely, if ever, healthy. Now, I think that's because we think of a healthy mind as a normal one without our illness. Now, you have an illness, and so your healthy mind goals should take that into account. You cannot base your goals on a mind that has no illness. That's truly a recipe for disaster, and strangely, something we do all the time. Your mind is not like the other ones, and you need to manage it based on what will be healthy for you, given that your mind might have a few episodes. So what is a healthy mental illness mind? The first thing is that it is a mind that accepts that you have an illness and understands that overextending, stressing, exhausting, and overworking your body and your mind is going to cause issues that you don't want. The healthy mind for mental illness is one that manages the limited resources in a better way. In what way do you regularly cause your mind to go off the rails? One of my major problems was once that I did feel better, 
I tended to try to make up for lost time, meaning that I simply overworked, overstressed my mind when I finally came out of my episode. I also tended to be a people pleaser, and in my desire to do so, I would actually cause my body and mind to work really beyond what it should, or concern itself beyond what it should. Now, as part of this problem of anxiety and other issues, and as part of my avoidance of constructive criticism, or criticism in general, I did everything I could to make things perfect. Now, it's probably called a perfectionist syndrome, but I always called it, referred to it as the A-plus syndrome. It's interesting just how many people who suffer with mental illness have this kind of perfectionist A-plus syndrome that I'm probably sure has a better name. For me, part of my identity was actually being an A student. Anyone who has attended any type of public or private schooling probably understands the effort to achieve straight A's is significantly greater, greater than the effort to achieve a B plus or a B. And my perception is that the additional effort is not linear, at least it was not for me. Obtaining perfect marks requires far, far greater effort. There is nothing, excuse me, there's nothing wrong with wanting to achieve perfect marks. Unless the stress of it tends to drive your mental illness crazy and drop you into episodes, which for most individuals, that's what's going to happen. Those episodes are not going to help your mind or your studies, or for that matter, any part of your life. So with some effort, I actually began the process of accepting myself as a healthy B-plus student or a healthy B-student. This actually was my goal. Why? Because for me, this is what my mind needed to be healthy. Now, I've also worked year over year to tone down the people-pleasing by various methods. But what is important to note, that efforts, my efforts, actually were a daily consistent effort, not one large grandiose goal. But they were important to my illness and my family who were affected by my illness. My healthy mind and your healthy mind are important to more than just you. Healthy emotions. Now you might say, what is the difference between this and the mind? Sometimes it's going to be hard to tell, but emotions are what drive you to act and react. Healthy emotional states for mental illness are simply spending more time in consistent positive emotional states. I know that we don't always have that choice. That is part of our illness, and that is something to remember. But I could do daily things to provide my mind and my body with the opportunity to have more of these positive states, and perhaps less of the negative states. Obviously, a healthy body is going to be important to healthy emotional states. And so I did daily what I could to keep my body healthy. I did not always succeed, but because I could focus on more consistent daily activities, if I missed a couple of days or more due to a bad episode, then I would simply return to the consistency without a serious guilty feeling. Now, I did feel guilty when I didn't wasn't consistent, but not like when I gave up on my one major goal. What did I do to help maintain healthy emotions? Even if I personally had to go through the emotions, I would do my best to get up and shower, attempt to read what I could of the scriptures, eat a reasonable meal, and then attempt to accomplish one task or another. In this case, I will say, such as cleaning the kitchen, although I think my wife would admit that I didn't do that very often. And she has normally done this all of our marriage. I know, she's a saint. We'll just leave it at that. Sometimes that was it. 
and I would later do something else small. At times, this actually was success for me. If I had a conversation with my wife, that was actually another important aspect to my day. And if I did so while walking, even better. Now, the things you choose will be yours to decide. But the key is daily activity towards consistency and consistent patterns. You are still going to have bad episodes, and things may not appear from the outside as though they are improving. But I will assure you that if you focus on consistency, they are. And you will notice those around you commenting about it, even if you don't notice. Now, likely, now I personally likely did not put on a smile and bounce around like I wasn't depressed when I was working through these consistency concerns. But consistency proved for me to be far more effective in managing healthy emotional states. Finally, healthy spirit. Now, I've said it before, and I'm going to continue to say it. We are spiritual beings in mortal bodies. But those bodies have serious impacts on our spiritual natures. So if you think that you're going to improve spiritually while ignoring the other three aspects I just discussed, you are fooling yourself. So while you are thinking about how to improve spiritually in your life, remember that the body, mind, and emotions are as important as focusing upon your spirituality. The most important aspect of spirituality that I have come to understand is that big goals generally don't create big spirituality. Reading the standard works, studying every part of Come Follow Me, personally, family, and church, attending every church meeting dutifully, and maybe a week of time all at once at the temple, are not going to provide for significant spiritual growth unless they are consistent patterns of daily living. One big gesture, such as reading the Book of Mormon in a week, may be great for that week or that month, but will not provide the growth you are looking to achieve. Spirituality is truly about small daily spiritual experiences and consistency in, in all aspects of spiritual life, including our prayers, our temple, our scriptures, our meeting attendance, and our service. When I switched my goals from larger reading of the standard works to consistently reading and learning daily, even if it was one chapter or part of a chapter, my spirituality improved significantly. Well, again, based on my illness. Again, it is always important to view consistency from the perspective of someone who has a mental illness. Reviewing your spirituality based on a self or yourself, this self who does not have a mental illness, is truly a comparison of apples and oranges and is really no value. Now, as part of this rearrangement of consistency, I will admit to reevaluating my prayers several times during these phases of working through my consistent behavior. Now, I worked not to just say daily prayers, but to be honest. I begin by asking, what are my honest concerns, and honestly, how do I feel today, before I started my prayer? And then I spoke honestly, and continue to do so, but spoke honestly and respectfully to the Lord, rather than simply reciting words that I had many times before. If I was struggling mightily, then that is what I would say. If I felt I couldn't even pray today, that is what I would say. I tried more to make it about pouring out my soul and then listening for his responses, rather than the more formal methods of gratitude and then asking for what I need. Now, as part of this, I have worked towards being perhaps more grateful and even been asking to help the Lord to see his hand in my life. Now, by moving to 
a consistent pattern, I've actually been able to alter my spiritual life for the better. And for me, things have actually improved significantly over the last few years. Now, I can say that it took time. Spirituality takes time. But the road to the desired outcome was easier for my illness to manage. Now, I understand when episodes hit home, your spiritual, spiritual consistency is going to diminish, and that is actually okay, and you should accept that. What is important is that you continue to be consistent even if the amount you are able to accomplish is limited to a few scriptures a day and maybe only a sacrament meeting on Sunday. Mental illness will diminish your spiritual capacities, but it is very important that when those episodes are not so deep or you are doing better or well, that you are consistent to the level you can operate and that you fill up the well or the lamp when you can. Now, what I have found over time is that goals focus more on consistency rather than grandiose or larger one-time fixed goals simply for provide better results for those of us who suffer from this terrible illness. Now, even after I had received some wonderful relief from my bipolar, I've actually continued to focus more on consistent behaviors rather than large date-driven goals. For me, it has made a significant difference even after finding that relief. When you look to this next year, instead of those large fixed goals, take those goals, make them flexible, and focus on that daily consistency. You will find yourself healthier, happier, and hopefully increase in spirituality and strength. Now may the Lord bless you this year and aid you in that trial. Until next week, do your part, and the Lord is ready to do His.